Welcome to the religious portion of the podcast. Fuck you, mom. I want to jerk off. Hello everybody, welcome to the manliest podcast in the known universe, where we discuss men, their perfect bodies and beautiful smiles. No homo. As always, I am your host Kmis, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, my dear Jared. Hello. And we are straight as a pretzel. The gauge agenda for this week is coming out to yourself. When did you realize you were attracted to men? When did you realize that others don't actually feel the same as you do? And when did you finally find a label that fits you? You can find that and more with timestamps to individual topics and links where applicable in the episode description. So, how are you, my fellow straight man? <laughs> oh, for some reason in my head I thought you were going to say my fellow American and then I was going to be like, Chemist, you're not American. Not with that attitude. Uh, I'm doing fine, sir. I'm doing fine. I'm enjoying J-Day, which we talked about earlier. That's my... Uh... Uh, annual day off from being a dad and a husband. Uh, usually we do it around my birthday, which was last month, but we were moving and stuff, so taking the whole day, sitting in my office, watching some movies, playing some video games, and uh, talking about gay stuff. So, pretty good day. Pretty much perfect. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Much better that we've talked right now. I got some things off my chest I'm not going to talk about because they're private. So, the only thing I'm can say that yesterday I had a really shit day, a shitty day because I got really bad razor burn on my left leg. Oh, interesting. You shave your legs. Yeah, I just decided, you know, that would probably be more convenient because I'm a really sweaty man otherwise. I started like shaving most of my body two years ago because I just found that then it works much better. This time I decided, you know, let's go all in. And I like it, except that I kind of rushed it and my whole legs were bleeding. Not a pretty <laughs> sight. But that happens, you get used to it. I've never shaved my legs. Uh, I've, I have, I'm an incredibly hairy man. Uh, very hairy chest, very hairy legs, and all, like everything. Um, but I, I've shaved many parts of my body for various reasons, but I've never shaved my legs. I just have never thought about it. I... I trimmed my beard the other day. You you saw me now that I have a webcam and I have a nice trimmed beard. But two days ago, I looked like, I don't know, a 1800s crazy coal miner or something. Because we, uh, we, we packed everything up and I couldn't find my trimmers. And I don't actually shave my face. I just trim it. And I was like, I'm not shaving. I haven't, my wife has never seen me without a beard. From the day we met till today, I've, I've had a beard. My kid's never seen me without a beard either. And he probably never will. Sounds like a challenge to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, just you should hope that he doesn't listen to this. Otherwise, you'll get shaved in your sleep. If he shaves me in in my sleep, there will be child murder. Even though technically I live in a town now, it's still out in the boonies. Very small population, so I have good places to hide a body still. That's normal. <laughs> well, we talked about American culture before we started recording. So. Yeah. yeah, so again, the reason I my legs were the last thing to go is 
It's like a lot of surface area, and it's just a lot of bother. But still, we'll see whether it's worth it or not. Did you say a lot of? Did you say a lot of butter? Like shave butter or butter butter that you put in food? I didn't say anything about butter. I could have. I, I said, said bother. Oh bother. Okay. I thought you said butter. It's like you shave with butter. I mean, I guess you could. It's, it's whatever floats your fancy. Yeah. You smell like French fries afterwards. All right. Yep. I'm shaving my legs with butter. I'm not actually. I'm not actually gonna do that. I don't. It's too much work. I don't want to. It's probably why I've never shaved my legs, actually, because it's so, like, I mean, I've got really big legs. Long. Actually, they're not long. I have short legs. I have a long torso. But yeah, it's too much work. Too much work. You should try it. I think everybody should try it just to see. Yeah, I probably will sometime, just to try it. And you have a webcam right now. <laughs> I'm not going to go, I'm not going to shave my legs right now <laughs> on camera. Let's make it next week. Okay, sure, sure. I'll put that on my on my calendar. Shaving my legs on camera. It'll be great. Bring popcorn. I don't like popcorn. Go fuck yourself. Okay then. <laughs> that that <laughs> I was did not expected. That escalated quickly. I I don't know. I didn't know what to say. I was trying to make some joke about popcorn and butter, but I kind of failed. Indeed, you did. And then I swore at you. I still love you, though. I love you too, buddy. Like some some tough love right there. Okay, are we uh, are we ready to to really get started? Uh, I think so. Unless you want to swear at me for something else. Nah, I'm sure I'll swear at you one more time during the show, at least maybe more. Okay, so the topic coming out to yourself, because that's I find that especially for bi people and. Let's call them just by adjacent. I find that many of them just don't realize. I know it was exactly for, uh, like this for me. What was your experience about it? Um, I was in high school when I really like went, hmm, I'm not like other people or like, you know, all of my friends or whatever. Uh, I had one friend who was gay, felt like he was gay for as long as he could remember. And we used to talk about it, and um, he was like, because I would occasionally like uh, like men or say that they were cute or whatever. He'd be like, "Oh, you must be gay." And so again, I was like, "No, I don't think I'm gay," because I also like girls. That sort of was my avenue to be like, you know what? I don't like, I don't just like girls. I don't just like boys. And uh, so in high school, when I was fourteen, fifteen, maybe was when I was really like, yeah, I think, I think I'm. I'm bisexual. And then it evolved, you know, into the conversation that we've had about about pansexuality. I mean, it evolved into that, but that's that's kind of when it happened. And I guess I sort of answered the first sub-question, when did you realize you were attracted to men? Because it was around that time. Um, maybe a little bit sooner. Maybe when I was... Uh, when I first started hitting puberty. 10, 11, 12. It's really hard to say because that's been like that's been over a decade ago which makes me feel old but um, during that time when I first started discovering myself sexually in general it, it just started to to develop and I was like oh that's a that's a cute guy that's a cute girl and then it's like I masturbated weirdly because that's something you can't talk about and the internet was 
I mean, it existed in the late 90s, early 2000s, but like we still had dial-up where I lived, and it was impossible to really look up anything. Mom was always using the phone. Get off the internet. I'm trying to talk to your grandmother. Fuck you, Mom. I want to jerk off. I never said that. I never said that to my mom. Never. She would have killed me. But... So yeah, that's uh, that's sort of when it happened, and and generally how it happened. Just it was a thing that developed, and because thankfully I had an open mind and a gay friend, I could kind of figure it out. What about you? So for me, it was at the same time similar, but also quite different because I was also like thirteen, fourteen. I realized I'm I started finding guys cute, but. I kind of like suppressed it. I don't know if it's a good word, but let's just go with it. And for the most time it was... Yeah, I find the guys cute, doesn't everybody? Right. And it took me a long time when I... There was this struggle that... I, I don't know if I'm straight, but I'm definitely not gay. And there are no other options, apparently. I think it was just before my 18th birthday, so it took four or five years and quite fucked me up. My cousin was talking about something and she's... I know she used the phrase boyfriend and or girlfriend. And I said something like, I'm not gay. And she said, yeah, you don't have to be. And this kind of like spiraled off. Ended with me just looking to dictionary and saying, yeah, that makes sense, that's... I cannot believe I wasted last four, five years of my life on it. Because nobody gave me a dictionary. And even though uh, internet was a thing, around that time I still did... I still mostly use Polish internet and that's not exactly that open-minded. So even though I had access to internet, I didn't really know how to look for it in English, which would probably be a much better idea. So it didn't help me that much either. There is this thing in psychology, you will probably know more about it, but the fact that people often presume that others think exactly as they do until proven otherwise. Yeah. And that was kind of what I found really baffling. I still kind of find really baffling that how can you be attracted to only such a small subset of population? How can you not appreciate the human beauty? I don't I don't find it baffling, but I do find it limiting. I don't I don't know, sexuality is so tough and this is leading to another conversation which I I'm not intending to have right now, but it's like sexuality to some extent can be a choice, but for the most part it's not. And so you can con- you cannot control your feelings, you can control whether you act upon them. Right. Right. Um, And I think you can't, I mean, you can't, like, you can't make yourself be gay, but you can experiment and try things. And that's part of the the choice aspect. But anyways, it's like, you know, I I feel like people are limiting themselves. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, if you really don't feel any attraction to the, the same gender or the opposite gender or whatever, then, you know, I can't, I can't force you. I can't make you seek because your worldview or your feel, well, it's probably a combination, but in general, just your feelings don't line up with mine. 
that should be a conversation topic for another time though sexuality and sort of the why why do people think it's completely a choice because you get that a lot with uh, fundamentalist religion and very traditional thinking i have a similar thing uh, feeling maybe baffling is not a good choice of a word but still uh i have to consciously make an effort to remember that not everybody is attracted to everybody because it just feels so natural to me i don't really have any other experience to compare it against right i understand that it doesn't I don't have to do that same... I don't have to be aware of it, but that's probably a combination of my training as a therapist because I'm very, very good at uh, joining with people and feeling what they feel and sort of connecting to their their mindset. And also, I just don't give a fuck. So I, I never act differently with anybody for any reason. So I don't have that conscious awareness to like, oh, this guy might be might be uncomfortable if I'm like kind of i don't know flirty with them or am talking about uh like liking other men like uh the the example i gave last week from when my wife went to the concert and that lady was like is he serious like i just don't i don't think about it because it's like i'm me and this is who i am and it's all gonna be okay you don't have to feel like i do it's fine but i do see what you're saying uh particular is is polish culture as a general rule a lot more conservative at least when it comes to sexuality so i would consider this a kind of paradox because you can see a lot of references to poland being a catholic country where over 95 percent people are baptized and 90 percent of people consider themselves catholic but at the same time it's kind of like People follow the church because pe- because they think others will think less of them. I think if we had just an honest... Con- if you start having honest conversations with others, you suddenly see that most people just obey it because they think you will force them to obey it. And if you just open to each other, you will suddenly be free. And this is what I would consider my mission in life, just letting people know that they have this possibility to be free, to be themselves. So what you just described is the American South right there. That's that's what you just described. So Poland is very much like Tennessee. Except I don't need to carry a gun. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But uh, yeah, that's, that's generally how it is. I mean, it's all over the place in the United States. It, most of what kind of, I think the reputation that the United States gets with the rest of the world is that the Southern conservative Christian and Valley girl, Californian. And, you know, I get it. There's caricatures everywhere. I'm not like digging or, you know, going to dig into that or condemn people for having their stereotypes and caricatures. I mean, that's just nature, but the United States is so different all over the place. You know, you go up North to Boston or New York, those areas, or, out west to Chicago or pretty much anywhere in California and even more places like there are it's just not an issue it's this whole conservative traditionalist Christian thing it's just not a problem I mean they exist but they're the minority as opposed to the majority so 
I mean, I deal with what you're saying a lot here with people who come in. It's like, oh, I've been a Christian all my life. Is God going to hate me because I'm, I think I'm gay or because I sometimes like men or because even like because I had sex and I'm not married. And it's like, no, God's not. He's, he just, he just, God doesn't care. I usually, I usually don't, I usually don't say that. That's not the best way to go about it. But it's like, if God exists, he doesn't care about you think i'm getting what you're saying i do say that to people that a god that would think less of you because of that is a no is not a god worth worshiping who has his own arbitrary rules and puts them before you being just a good person welcome to the religious portion of the podcast yep <laughs> and i've i've had this conversation many times with my family because some people like a, yeah, we're going straight into religious part, uh, part of the podcast, but when people say, you know, you don't believe in God, why don't you just start murdering everybody? Because I'm not a sociopath or a psychopath or whatever. It's like, just because, I mean, I don't need a God to tell me how to be a good person. Generally, be kind to people and open-minded and willing to admit that you're wrong if you run into someone or something that you know, clearly points out that you're wrong. I've had that same conversation with my parents and and everything. We just don't talk about it. It's just not worth the fighting that it causes to talk about it. In my mother's family, because my dad was never really... kind of even maybe encouraged me to start looking beyond religion, because I was raised really Catholic and until the age of maybe 14, I was really religious, and you may notice that, yeah, this is around the same time when I started noticing something was different, and it just, that is what dragged me away from religion. That organized religion, the official stance of the church says that I'm somehow a bad person, for whatever reason. Yeah, just because you like men too we kind of briefly like i kind of briefly mentioned this before we started recording but there are plenty of studies out there that show that that certain aspects of religion are very beneficial it mostly comes down to the social aspect that religion provides to a lot of people but there's a fine line you walk between like practicing religion in a social context where it's helpful to you versus crossing the line to the fundamentalist territory and that line is is razor thin and it starts out slow, but eventually, and, and I mean, people don't always have to become like religious zealots or terrorists or anything like that, but just treating people less than you because they are a minority or because they are gay or bisexual or whatever, like that's a fine line that you walk if you practice religion. I mean, Katie and I sometimes go to church. We have friends who, who go to church and are Christians and everything like that. And we mostly do it just like, oh, hey, we'll go to church and then we'll go out to eat. Or we'll go, and then we'll go to your house and play some board games or whatever. But, you know, we're both highly educated people, and we're very aware of all of that stuff. So we uh, we use it for the positive social aspect. We're talking Christian. However, this means something very different. Because America is, as far as I know, Protestant? Uh, America, uh, this is another one. It's, like, it's all over the place. Um, in the South, uh, I guess America is predominantly pro- Protestant. In the north, New York, Boston, that those sort of places again, mostly Catholic, 
But the farther south and the farther west you go, the more Protestant you get. So your area? Uh, very Protestant. Uh, mostly Southern Baptist and Church of God, if you ever care to look those up. Or if anybody wants to look those up. Okay, I'm just trying to understand why would you ever go to a church if you're not religious. Because Catholic ceremonies are just you recite fragments from the same catechism over and over again. If you don't find it of any religious value, then I cannot believe how you would ever find it worth your time. Protestant churches are not like that at all. Well, I, I guess some... Christianity has got like a kajillion denominations. It's just as complicated as any other religion. Uh, most people tend to think of Catholicism as being the face of Christianity, but it's not. Especially in the States. Because they're really trying to make it look, look as such. Because of Pope, etc. But no, most, I mean, most Protestant services that I've ever been to, because I mean, when I was a kid, my parents took me to church every week, like three times a week. There's a lot more to a service than just like standing up and reciting scriptures and things like that. There's usually in most in most Protestant churches, there's usually um, a time either before or after service where there's some kind of food served and coffee and people just hang out and talk about whatever. And then during the service, there's only like 20 minutes or so where a in most Protestant religions, they call them pastors instead of priests. But it's kind of the same thing preaches a message but it's not like okay we're gonna read from the scripture or whatever they usually try and wrap up other like things of like morality and stuff into it i kind of view it like an academic exercise and i find that sort of thing stimulating because they'll be like all right here's this thing from the bible and let's talk about it and let's find the moral to the story or whatever it's so it's not like all right let's stand up and recite this passage like over and over and and then there's a music portion to most services. Uh, they usually call it like worship time. Um, and I mean, that that varies wildly based on what type of church you go to and the denomination and stuff. Most churches around here have very contemporary music, the guitars and drums and things like that. So it's kind of a mixed bag on whether or not you get good music or not. But that can be enjoyable. Katie really likes the music. Uh, so whenever we go, she enjoys that. And then afterwards, a lot of churches will have lunch services or they'll have just whatever, like very social stuff. So it's not the same sort of thing. But I mean, I have been to Catholic services and Lutheran services are pretty similar to Catholic too. Uh, I've got some family members who are Lutheran and I go with them. Well, I used to. I haven't been with them in years, but I used to go with them every once in a while. And it's, yeah. All right, let's stand up and recite this all together and we'll sing all this one like hymn together and... So it's very different experience. The way you describe it, I can very easily see how even I could find it not enjoyable, maybe, but worth my time. Especially since, comp uh, especially compared to Catholic uh, worship, which is just here is, and there are literally lists that say that describe every single mass how it should look for the next couple decades or so just tables say uh, saying which scriptures you should read etc etc and after that there is probably preaching which again is simply 
Okay, remember this scripture that we talked about three minutes ago? Here is the only, uh, uh, there, here is the only allowed way to inter interpret it. Yeah, the, the last service we went to was two or three weeks ago. This church where my friends go to, they had a guest speaker who was a, an English professor at a college. And I mean, he's not like world famous or anything, but he has written like a, a I think he's written a book or two. And then he does like speaking tours in the area to the colleges and does guest lessons. Like, you know, he's, he's, he's pretty well respected. And so I was like, oh, that would be interesting. We can go and we can listen to him talk about whatever. And so we got there and we had coffee and, and muffins and talked to our friends and some other people that we knew from the area that go to church there. And I mean, like you don't talk about religion or anything we just talked like hey i haven't seen you in a couple of weeks how's it going how's your life like that sort of stuff and then there was a 30 minute worship where that the they had a, they had a, like a guest worship team and it was the 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 local college the guy who is their music director and so he brought some people with him and they had like electric guitars and, and bass and drums and it was it was pretty good it was like a little mini little mini rock concert and then uh, this English professor gets up and uh, talks about how people use language to interpret scripture and how there's different ways to do it and how some ways are wrong and condemning people who, for example, like pull out a, a single Bible verse or something and try and use that to condemn someone. And, you know, he's like, that's that's terrible. You should never do that. And it was, it was really interesting. And then afterwards, we went to this place called Delia's, which is a, a local Mexican food restaurant that's like amazing uh and ate lunch and that was like our sunday morning it's good time good time sounds pretty cool yeah so it's like it was like a little academic experience and i, I enjoy that sort of thing i mean if it was like uh, a hellfire and damnation preacher i don't know if you've ever seen like the hacking preacher <laughs> joke or stereotype or whatever for like southern baptist preachers if it was that i would never go i've experienced them for the first 15 years of my life yeah, so that's terrible. I would never go to that. But, you know, it was a fun little fun little outing. Yeah, and I think people... Well, let me just uh, start uh, more personally. I am very careful when I subscribe to an ideology to make sure that I do not keep following this ideology just out of habit. That this is still my conscious choice. Because even after I became an atheist... There were some articles really reflected the way I think helped me establish myself as a person who does, who follows their own morality. However, there was some moment when I suddenly disagreed with something, uh, with what they said very strongly, and I had this moment of hesitation thinking, well, maybe they are r right and I am wrong which is very dangerous to think. As long as you do everything because you find it... As long as you follow your own moral code, I am... And do not hurt other people, I am fine with whatever you believe in. I mean, that's how I... That's the exact way I think. Like, as long as you're not hurting other people, you're allowed to believe or think whatever you want. And, you know, you're allowed to talk to me about it as long as you don't assume that I'm wrong. Acknowledge my right to... Yeah. Disagree. Yeah. Agree to disagree. Yep, yep. Hashtag agree -a Yeah. And if you don't think like that, you're fucking wrong. 
I was kind of joking, but like, if you don't think like that, then you're probably someone who is very like, one of those fundamentalist type peoples. Like, I'm my way is the only way. So, which is why our way is the only way. Yeah. Which sounds a little hypo- hypocritical if you take it out of context, but that's because it's more of a not morality, but meta morality. I don't know if it's a... it's very it's very postmodern thinking. Exactly. Yeah, I'm very postmodern. Okay, fun times. So after this long tangent, uh, where were we and have we finished? Um. I think so, because when I talked about coming out to myself, I basically went through all the questions and telling my story, and you did too, so I think. I think we are done. Awesome. Which means we can move on to Fuck, Mary Kill, which is back after we missed it last week because of time constraints. However, we will do a lot of fucking marrying and killing. Oh yeah. So who goes first this week? I'll let you start. Okay. Well, the the sort of theme we came up with like 2 minutes before we started recording is uh characters from TV shows and movies. So not the actual actors themselves, but the characters and their their environment. So Oh, by the way, spoilers, lots of spoilers. Uh my first one I picked was Skylar, Skylar White from Breaking Bad. Yeah, I don't I don't like Skylar. Like I hate her character. <laughs> Which means that she's a great actress, so... But in case you don't know, Skylar is is Walter White's husband, the main character. And for a while, she doesn't know that he's making meth, and then she finds out, and eventually becomes part of his crime ring. It's... Anyway, so she just goes on this, you know, this very interesting character arc. And she's got a bit in the middle where she's just like, fuck it, I don't care. And she, like, smokes in the car with her baby and all kinds of stuff. It's it's crazy. So I, I... I love to hate Skylar. Uh, my second choice was Peter Baelish, or Pitar, Pitar. I'm really shitty at saying his name, from Game of Thrones. And he's like this kind of smarmy, backroom, dealing character. And he, you know, he's all, like, you never can figure out what his game is. And he lies to, like, everybody to forward his own ends. And in the show, he owns a, a brothel. So bonus points for that. Uh, he's pretty cute, too. Like, he's just got, like, this very, like, hmm, car salesman-y look, but in a good way. It's it's hard to explain. He's just very cute. Um, and then my third choice, or my third person, was Alex Kirkman, who is uh, on the recently released Designated Survivor show. She's the uh, president's wife in the show. Major spoilers, because this show just came out in the last year. Uh, her husband becomes the president because he's the designated survivor and there's like this massive terrorist attack that wipes out the entire U.S. government. And she comes along and it's just like, or she comes along. They, they were married before, but it's, it's just a really good portrayal of what a good, healthy relationship looks like. And he'll come to her and be like, I, this is like fucked up and I don't know what to do and I just need a hug. And she'll, she'll be like, it's okay, we can talk about it. I love you. I'm here for you. Like, very supportive. She's a great mom, but she's also, like, an example of a career woman, because in the show, she's a lawyer. So, good stuff. Good stuff from her. So, yeah, my list... I sh- it's. I think it's... You could probably guess what they're going to be, based on what I said about them. Uh, Skylar, obviously, is kill. I hate that bitch in the show. She's... 
honestly she's like she's a huge victim of everything that happens but she's played like such a heartless bitch and it's like i hate you i hate you so much i shouldn't hate you because you're the victim in all this because your husband's a drug dealer and uh well a drug creator a drug chef he's cooking meth but i still hate you so kill her wanted to kill her since the beginning of the show pretty much uh then peter baelish definitely want to fuck him he's like big liar he'd definitely cheat on me and you know mess around and probably stab me in the back to like literally stab me in the back to get something but i just like to go to his brothel and have like this huge orgy with him and all of the the whores that he has there that would be awesome and then i want to i want to marry alex kirkman because she's like basically the perfect spouse material she's kind and loving and supportive but she's not like submissive or anything she's really strong and intelligent and is is good at being in a relationship so i definitely want to marry her your turn so my turn yep that is pretty tough i don't remember much about skylar however i do from what i remember i pretty much have to agree with you in breaking bad obviously there were no good people but i still find her the worst of all of them for whatever reason <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think she just lacked elegance she wasn't she wasn't good at being bad that is pretty much the perfect way to phrase it for me okay better baelish on the other hand the fact that when you started to just quickly explain what he uh, what he his character and I was trying to, uh, and my first immediate thought w- uh, was to pitch in and say, you know, he's like a little finger kind of guy. And then I realized, <laughs> yeah, he's the little finger. He is little finger, yeah. So even though this character archetype is not that complicated, it's really common, the way he managed to play it means that he owns it right now. As to Alex Kirkman, I have not seen Designated Survivor, so... I am having a hard time to make any decision. However, I think I will kill Skylar. I would marry Peter Baelish, just hope he has any sort of sentiment for me, which he probably won't. Even if it wouldn't last that long until I end dead somewhere, or knowing Peter Baelish, a lot of different somewheres. Let's just hope it's fine while it lasts. And that just gives me to leaves me with Alex Kirkman as the what's the passive form of fucker? Fucky? Sure. <laughs> I have no idea. Let's go with it. Yeah, let's go with it. So you you hope that you're Peter's Sansa, because he actually loves her and wants to be with her. I can be pretty redhead for him. Ooh, sounds saucy. I like redheads. Who doesn't? That's a good question. Probably like crazy people. Sociopaths. You shouldn't trust them. Yep. As to my list, my three people are Piper Chapman from Orange is the New Black, Deborah Morgan from Dexter, and Francis Underwood from House of Cards. So Piper Chapman, she is actually based on real character because the whole Orange is the New Black is let's say, loose adaptation of the book under the same title, which was actually a biography. 
So that makes her character even more intriguing. Even though she's not that complicated. She was just smuggling drugs with her girlfriend and she got caught. But the transformation of her as a character throughout the series, I find it highly attractive. Even though... Because she's very clearly bi, but she refuses to say it, which I find annoying. In multiple scenes, some people just ask her, is she bi? And she says, no, probably not, I just like to fuck men, I like fuck women. But no, I'm not bi, come on, that would be silly. <laughs> the, the denial is strong in this one. Moving on, Deborah Morgan... I'm going to say, talk about her as she is in the first four seasons because I'm not going to acknowledge the later ones exist. And she's just a badass. That's almost everything that you need to know about her. She's a cop and she doesn't get thrown around. You can say that she fulfills this archetype of a woman that wants to prove herself to be in a strictly... In an environment dominated by men, she uh, wants to show everybody that she's no worse. But the way she does it, I think she earned the title. And finally, Francis Underwood. He's kinda... he's very similar to Peter Baelish. Just scheming. Not afraid to, ki to kill people to get what he wants. And I think we've already established that I find it quite attractive. Yeah, I have to say, like, the the thing that, like, they do it so quickly in the, like, in the first five minutes of the first episode of season one, when he kills that dog, is like, Jesus, man, and then lies to the people about it. I don't remember that scene, but the ending of the first episode of second season, you haven't seen it. Oh, man. No, I haven't seen season two. Just the moment we end... We finish this, you have to see this, absolutely. So, even though we said spoilers are free, I will not spoil it for you. Okay. Not now. It's one of the best episodes, one of my favorite episodes of any recent, uh, of any series in recent memory. Okay. Yeah, after we're done, I'll look it up on YouTube while I'm uh, cleaning up my audio and stuff. Anyways, carry on. So now as to my actual decisions, even though he's very similar to Peter Baelish, I think I would kill off Francis Alderwood. I'm finding it hard to explain by decision, but there's... Even though he's a cold-blooded murderer, he's not Peter Baelish. Uh, it's, my immediate thought would be to marry Piper Chapman, but then I remember how her old, how her, her previous marriage ended, or it really even didn't. However, if if she goes out of pri uh, if she finally manages to leave prison alive, I would definitely marry her. Otherwise, if I do not know what she is up to, just let's fuck and get this over with. <laughs> Okay. I think that will be my final decision. Okay. So there is a conditional on this one? Okay, that's fine. It's our show, we can do conditionals if we want. This is my show, I can do whatever I want. That's right. I can fuck all three of them. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm I'm struggling a little bit with this list. My first choice was easy. I'm definitely gonna marry Frank, even though he is the, a very you know, even though he is a little finger. Uh, if I remember correctly, he treats or he at least um, provides opportunities for his wife to advance as well and does some things to help her. So I don't feel like they had a loving marriage, but I feel like that he helped her out. So I'm going to go for some, some material gains on this one and, and be a part of his schemes. Plus, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, my dilemma comes down to the other two. I find both of them attractive and don't really have any qualities in either of them to be like, yeah, I'll just kill you and write you off. So I was sitting here thinking the whole time, like, just looking back and forth between the two of them. Uh, and I think I'm talking myself into killing Piper because as she goes through, I mean, I've still only seen season one of Orange is the New Black, but like scrolling through like the Wikipedia page about her and the different seasons for the future, like she really starts to transform into a much worse person because of her experiences in prison. And I mean, you know, that might not be the case because I haven't seen the later seasons of the show. But based on what I'm reading here, I don't, I don't even want like, don't don't stick your dick in crazy. <laughs> so I'm gonna kill her, and then I'm gonna fuck Deborah Morgan. Plus, honestly, I think I really like her face. It's that sounds so <laughs> weird, but <laughs> she's got this really intriguing shape to her face i don't like in my mind it doesn't fit the sort of stereotypical definition of of like a beautiful face but yet at the same time it's like so captivating and i could i could be down with staring at that all night once or twice three times i i kind of want to marry her now just to have that face forever but no i'm gonna stick to my original yeah sticking to my original plan just don't go around measuring people's heads etc it has some <laughs> historical connotations alright that's been our show for this week you can shoot us an email at straightpretzel at gmail.com or send a tweet to at straightpretzel all this plus more can be found at straightpretzel.wordpress.com our intro music is Disco Meduse by Kevin McLeod provided free of charge on Creative Commons license find out more at incompetent.com we are powered by internet archive free hosting remember if your would-go-gay-list is longer than five people, you ain't straight, but you're in great company. Stay, Stay fabulous! fabulous.